This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. So, hey, I'm Lisa Fetner. I'm the VP of Marketing at Referral Exchange. We are the eHarmony or Match.com of agent-client dating. So we're all about connecting agents to consumers and agents to other agents who have clients who are moving to a different part of the country. And I think what I love most about real estate is that you get to be involved in the most important sale or purchase in a person's life. You really get to be a part of that decision-making in their future. Residential real estate is known as a hyper-local business, and an agent's earning potential is typically limited by the scope of their geographic reach. But what if you could generate an additional revenue stream by combining your personal network and your efforts locally? Simply by activating trusted referrals, thus expanding your reach and revenue possibilities nationwide. Coming up, you'll hear from a company that has already made hundreds of thousands of these connections between buyers, sellers, and agents, creating leads and great real estate experiences. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Lisa, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. At Referral Exchange, you help agents connect with buyers and sellers to you know, carry on their journey in real estate. How do you feel from your vantage point that the role and job of an agent has changed in the last few years? I think probably the best way to explain this is when I was much younger, I opened up my first bank account. I grew up in the Midwest and and there was a little local bank in the shopping mall near our house. And I opened up my first checking account and it was very exciting. But then when I moved away and I went to college, I had to close that account and I had to open up a new account in California because there was no connection between the banks. But nowadays, no one would ever think about doing that. They wouldn't think of, they would just assume when you open up a bank account that you can take it with you everywhere. And I think that that's now the same for real estate. You want to be hyper local, but you also want to have access to the rest of the country and be able to help anyone everywhere. So I think that's really important. And that's probably the biggest change that I see just extending in a and occurring because you want to be the subject matter expert for not just what's going to happen to someone today and helping a client today, but helping them down the line five years from now, 10 years from now, helping their kids, helping their sisters, husbands, uncles, brother. You want to be their source for real estate. The other way that real estate has changed is that it's really all about the relationship. And that is between expertise and the relationship, to me, those are the two most important things. 
that an agent can offer because you need to have the connections. You need to be able to support your clients, whether they're buying or selling. I know anywhere in the country, it's still a challenge to buy or sell a home. It's a crazy market out there still to this day. So you need someone who has the connections, who has the relationship and who has the knowledge. And there's the old adage that referrals are a real estate agent's best friend. How does your company go about making those connections uh, for the agents? The way that we work is we'll connect agents to another agent or clients to agents. We'll match to the three best agents who fit that client's specific need. So a lot of times you may know an agent in California or an agent in Florida, but they may not specialize in that client's price point, area, neighborhood. It's interesting. We have 24,000 agents who we work with across the country. And in some areas like New York, the radius can be three blocks. An agent may only work in a three block neighborhood. Whereas in Montana, they have a 300-mile radius, and that's acceptable. So you really need to find an agent who fits that client's specific needs. So that's that's what we try and do. We try to match them with the three best agents who fit their specific needs and personality. And uh, I'm assuming that a lot of these connections take place online. Everything's a far more digital. Um, you obviously you know, researched your, your site a bit. How does your model differ from some of your competitors that are also trying to create these referral marketplaces? We one, th- one way in which we're different is we always say that we are a people company supported by technology. There's a ton of stuff that we do under the hood. There's about 31 different algorithms that we use to match people. That's why we, we always say we're eHarmony because we want to get the best fit. And we really look to what the agent's specific experience is and area that they focus on and price point. So we're not going to match an agent who usually does million-dollar properties, even if they're the top agent in the area, to someone who's buying their first $100,000 home. So I think that's how we're different. We really try to make the technology, use the technology to make it possible for us to have that human connection. And and as far as these algorithms, um, it seems like that's a much better vetting process because some of your competitors, or even if you look at a larger institution like a a Zillow, um, it's more of a a pay to play, like, you know, a a bidding auction system more like other other ad or media uh, selections. Um, how did you go about, you know, or how do you think about that vetting process and that, that matching, uh, system? Everyone who's in our network has to be hand recruited into the network. So the profiles that we have and, and the conversations that we have are all about the type of business they do. Do they speak another language? Do they, uh, we have agents in DC who work the Gulladet market. And they know sign language. So we're really looking at what their specific areas of expertise. At the same time, working re- working by referrals and working by online referral generation is a bit tricky. You have to be fast at accepting the referral. You have to be fast at contacting them. So part of what we also look at are 
um, is the agent's responsiveness in the network so that they're accepting a referral quickly. They're following up. Those are all the things that we look at because you can be a great agent, but if following up quickly on referrals is not your thing, it's not going to work in our network. So we're really looking at agents who want to participate, who want to be engaged with our clients. And that's part of what we look at in addition to their specific levels of expertise. On the agent level, when you think about referrals, there's people that come to you and be like, you know, Lisa, I'm moving, you know, do you know an agent in XYZ location that I'm moving to? There's the natural you know, solicitation for that referral. Um, but how do you manage like the privacy around, you know, an agent has someone that they know is moving to somewhere else that they want to refer and, you know, capture some sort of economics on, um, but don't necessarily have that permissioning. What is that permissioning level uh, in the process? We work with the agents and we give them materials. So if they, if someone says, I'm moving to California, I need an agent. Can you help me? Then the agent always says, I'm part of a nationwide network. Would you like me to connect you to three agents near where you're going to live? So the agent inputs the client's information into our service. We contact every client who's put in to make sure that they do want to be matched. They do want to be connected with agents. We give them a bit of an explanation as to what's going on. And we always refer back to the agent. It's always still the agent's referral and lead. And it's also possible for the agents who we refer to, we can make it possible for the referring agent to being the single source of contact. So the referring agent can always say, contact me, don't contact the client. It's really up to them to work it. They can be as, we always say they can be as involved or uninvolved as they want to be. And when you're looking at the tracking of that, you know, lead when it becomes a customer for the new agent, um, how does a referring agent ensure that they're, you know, going to get paid on that referral? We handle all the processing, tracking, follow-up. The most important, we found that the most important factor that the agents have when they refer is their reputation. They want to make sure that their client is going to be well taken care of, that they're going to be matched to an agent just as good as they are. I think that's why agents don't do as many referrals because they're too nervous. They're going to get stuck in the middle of an unhappy agent-client relationship. So we really try and be that middle person to help facilitate the process and and keep them out of it so that they don't feel uncomfortable if their client doesn't like the agent. We help them out. But inside the application that we have, it's really easy. The agents can text, texting message each other. We have a lot of agents who are doing contingencies. My favorite story is that we had some clients in it. We had some agents in Illinois, and they had a client who was moving to Connecticut. And the client said, oh, there's a couple of properties I want to see. We're getting on a plane. Is it possible for you to have some an agent ready to take us around these properties? So they got on a plane from Illinois. The agent called us. We did the mad scramble, calling and matching agents, and we had agents meet them when they landed. So I think that's the fastest we've ever managed to get agents in place to do it. But it's all about that relationship, and it's all about giving them that security of 
of connections. And so they can follow along. It's it, We call it the FedEx tracker, the little tracking. They can kind of see all the conversations that are going on, what's going on with the referral. And then we handle all the referral agreements and payment and processing and things like that. And because we're a hand-recruited network and because many of these agents have worked with us for an average of five to eight years, they know that if they want to keep getting more referrals from us, they need to follow the process. So we handle all the payment and tracking, and we very rarely have issues with that. Right. Like when you look to, you know, other industries like, you know, social media where like you have, you know, bad actors that are on a, a given network, um, have you had to, you know, expel, you know, certain agents for, for misbehaving or not following the, the rules and regulations? It's not really for not following the rules and regulations. It's just – really understanding how the process works and really liking that referral follow-up process. So we've been in business for almost 14 years now, and we started on the consumer direct side. So consumers, and, and that's still the case today. So consumers find us online, they ask to be matched to agents, and we connect them. And then we started the agent-to-agent piece about five years ago. And we we currently have about 24,000 agents in the network. We've probably had about 75,000 agents cycle in and out of the network. We always ask them to we always ask them to take a third-party survey at the end of every transaction. We survey the client, we survey all the agents involved in the process, and that helps us along with the algorithms determine whether it makes sense to continue to send referrals out. And out of curiosity, were you a former agent or, or how did you come to, you know, be so involved in, in the referral exchange? I started my career uh, doing advertising for Century 21 Real Estate. And then I switched over to the mortgage marketing business. And then I went into, into technology. So I've kind of bounced between real estate, mortgage, and technology. And then I started at Referral Exchange about five years ago, and I'm just about to get my license, finally. I've, I've always talked about getting a real estate license, but I've never had the time to do it. And since I've joined this company, I thought, okay, I have to be an agent. I feel like we speak with agents every day. It's good to have. So I'm just yeah, waiting it, to take my final test, and I'll be good to go. Yeah, even if you're not transacting, just to, you know, understand what that right. you know agent mindset is that what they're what they're going through exactly and in fact anyone who is on the phone we have about over 100 people in our client services department and they all have to be licensed agents we require them when they are hired to get their license because we want them to have that that expertise and knowledge and when you look across the country, where where are the biggest concentrations uh, of agents uh, in your network? We really follow the trends of the market. So wherever there's a lot of people moving in and out of the market, the coasts are really strong for us. But we really have agents in every populated zip code. We can do anything from Fairbanks, Alaska, down to a chicken farm in the Midwest down to the Florida Keys. So if there's if there's a populated zip code, chances are we have an agent there. Understood. But the the company itself is based out of San Francisco. Yes. Um, what uh what's the genesis of that? Was that just 
where the idea came out of, or is that a, an engineering reason? That's just where the founder's from. The, so we have two offices. We're in San Francisco, and then we're also in Sacramento. So our call center's in Sacramento. Most of our operations and customer service are in Sacramento. That's where our founder was born and raised. And then he also lives in San Francisco. So we've always had both of those offices. That's how we started there. Excellent. Coming up, we'll get a little bit deeper into, you know, how that economic you know, shift works for the agents uh, and the benefits uh, of being a part of the network. Um, but first, uh, you've been kind enough to bring a snack to share uh, with us today for, uh, you know, our tradition of snack time. Uh, uh, what did you bring to share today? My family has a secret recipe for Rocky Road. It's been, it's been passed down through three generations, so I carried some homemade Rocky Road for you guys. I hope nobody has a nut allergy here today. No, I'm... I'm You're good? No allergies, so uh, yeah. we're, we're safe with that, but uh, this, is, this is a first. This is the first homemade, homemade, homemade snack. snacks, and it even sur survived the plane ride, and I wasn't sure how many people we'd have. So here you go. We'll get chocolate to wake us all up in the morning. Great. Awesome. This uh, it looks delicious. For yeah, obviously listeners uh can't see this, but this looks uh delicious and uh, you know, the homemade touch is uh, you know, wonderful. So uh, you know, thank you for the the extra mile. And uh, we'll get some plates and uh, we'll be right back. And have chocolate. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading smart buyer rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's smart buyer commission rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Lisa, thanks very much for bringing the Rocky Road. Uh, I actually did want to ask you, you said it was a, a recipe passed down, you know, from through the generations. Um, you know, what made you keep that tradition alive? It's really good. And it's really easy to make. And I have four kids who have always been doing chorus and sports and lots of different activities. And it's the easiest thing to bring to a bunch of kids for dessert at a sporting activity or for a, which, which, a, class, a class meal or something like that. Which is smart. I guess that's probably why you asked if anybody had a nut allergy. Because now, exactly. nowadays, nowadays yeah, in schools, yeah, yeah. you can't even bring like peanut butter within 100 feet of a school now. Well, like, and it's fun to see how you can adapt it. So sometimes I'll put graham crackers on it so they're like s'mores but you got the official true traditional the official family grandma's recipe. famous rocky road recipe well it was delicious and uh, you know thank you for bringing it from all the way from san francisco so uh, we do we do appreciate You're welcome. it uh, but uh getting back into our, our conversation yeah uh we you know we got a good understanding of you know why referrals are important you know it goes without saying in, in real estate but how does let's get into the economics of it how does it work for the agent and then how does it work as a you know a thriving business model for you you know for 14 you know plus years now so how does that economic breakdown work the submitting agent 
puts in the referral and they choose anywhere from a 15% to 25% referral fee. And then the receiving agent pays anywhere from a 25 to 35% referral fee. So we keep 10% to manage the process on their behalf. So that's how it works. So the, the, so the submitting and then the receiving agent effectively create that market for you. Correct. Understood. That's, that's interesting. Uh, because, you know, when you think about, you know, the U.S. still has one of the highest commission rates, you know, in the world. Um, do you ever think about or worry about the idea of the, the spread compressing or the overall commission rates compressing over time? It, it works for our model right now. And for the submitting agent, it's a way in this tight economy, everyone has inventory challenges right now. And you need to find ways to kind of break through the finite number of sellers and buyers in your current marketplace. And there's really an opportunity for agents to kind of expand their sphere of influence nationwide and to help recoup some of that low inventory challenges that they have in their current markets. So for them to do more referral business, I think helps to give them a more consistent, stable income because they're working a wider network. For the receiving agents, it's not only a way for them to just get incremental business and connect with clients that they probably would never have met or connected with, but oftentimes there's multiple transactions involved in that received relationship. Maybe they're buying multiple properties or then they can form that relationship with that new client to do more referrals on their side. It's less about the actual commission than it is about the opportunity to, to build and capture that ongoing relationship going forward. Understood. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're capturing incremental regardless of what the commission structure Correct. is. So you're, Correct. You're you're opening up a new potential revenue stream for any given agent. Exactly, exactly. And the agents in our network have a choice. They can, we have a variety of different, our referral fees range anywhere from 25 to 35%, depending on the source of the referral business. So we have some agents that say, I only want the consumer direct business. I will only pay a 25% referral fee. I'll only handle this type of seller or buyer. So we let them specify the type of business they want to get. We want them to be happy. One of the biggest challenges these days is that agents just don't call clients back. If you listen to some of the stats on Zillow or even our stats, it's amazing how few agents actually will call a lead or a referral back. And what we do is help facilitate that process. So we make sure that the client gets a call back and that the agents actively have the opportunity to work with those clients. You mentioned earlier that you do a lot of you know, surveys, reviews, and, and you really mine that data to really improve the agent and customer experience. My question is of, of, Agents that use your service that also may use other services like you know, Premier Agent to advertise. Um, I'm curious to get your perspectives on alternative business models like a Zillow Premier Agent. Like, 
how do you feel about the, like the transparency around that and the consumer knowing? Because the consumers that come to you are asking for a referral. Right. You know, Lisa, referral exchange, I'm looking for an agent in California. Please connect me. When you look at other business models like Zillow, you're on a site, you're clicking a button, you think you're contacting in the agent of the listing agent, but you're actually being connected with somebody else. Um, how do you feel about that compared to a more transparent model like yours? From a referral perspective, depending on the type of referral that's being sent, the transparency can either not matter or it can be critically important. If you're really looking at a personal referral, I used our service a couple of months ago. My great uncle passed away after having an amazing life at the age of 97. And he had an apartment in Boston in Beacon Hill. And I needed to work with my cousin to help sell this property. It was a $1.2 million property. My cousin was handling the estate. She's a first-time buyer. But she's handling a $1.2 million property in a historic neighborhood. So I really needed to find an agent who understood that neighborhood, very small, very condensed neighborhood, but who could also work with a first-time seller, but who could also find buyers who had the vision because it was going to be a gut job. He hadn't touched it since 1971 when he moved in. In that situation, that relationship and that continuous chain of connection is really critical. When you have someone who just wants to connect with an agent to see a home, it's about the relationship and the connection that they're going to make. Yes, you want the listing agent, but if you really click and spark to the agent who picks up the phone, again, at the end of the day, when you're an agent, it's all about your, your relationship and your connection to the client on a professional basis, on a personal basis. If you're a client, you want to make sure that someone's going to understand you and can help you and can get the deal done for you. And when the ref when the referrals initially made, you you said that there are three choices proposed to that referral. Um, obviously, there's a lot of vetting, like there's matching technologies. But why is it three? Is is that data mined, or is that a just a, a perception of choice? Um, given that there's a layer of vetting behind it, it it removes some of the need for choice. But people like to have choices. Why why is it three versus more and what information is displayed for that customer or that referral to then choose between those three? How can they evaluate between the three offered? The referring agent can submit and request between two to five agents. So they have an option to pick. We have found that three just seems to be the magic number. You're dealing with a really large sale or purchase. People know that they really need to talk to a few people. At the same time, everybody's personality is different. We have found that if we give them three that fit their needs, chances are they don't feel that they need to look elsewhere. We're, we're narrowing the funnel for them so that they can make an educated decision with the three people we have. But it's really fun. We have a section when an agent puts in a referral, we have a section and 
the agents can put in notes about their clients. And that's those notes are really fun to read. In my case, for my example that I mentioned, I needed someone who could, I had a first time seller and buyer. She had never done a real estate transaction before at all in a very high end market. But it's it's fun. We'll have people who say these clients are seniors. They need an agent who's going to be very gentle with them, who's going to walk them through the process. And then we'll we'll hear from other agents who say these people want a shark. They want to get the absolute best possible deal that they can. And we'll try and match. That's where the technology comes in. So our technology will pop out the 10 best agents in that area that would fit the client's specific needs, but then we'll look at the notes and say, okay, we know our agents. This agent's probably going to be a better match. Right. And you have, you probably have other agent. You probably have the additional success metrics of who they're matched with, those notes. Exactly. And what they've closed and what they specialize in, things like that. And in addition to the, you know, criteria, the experience, like the biographies of the different agents that are proposed to the referral, um, do you use pictures? I'm I'm curious in that, like, because nowadays, you know, people, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bias, not only, you know, gender, racial, et cetera. Um, how do you minimize for, like, people like that maybe have, oh, this person has a spectacular picture. This person didn't put the time and effort into their photography. How do you prevent that that bias? Every agent on our network has a profile, and they really have the option to put whatever they want in the profile. Some agents have videos, some have resumes, some have pictures. Everybody, it's 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 fun to read the profiles and just see how people position themselves. When I'm coaching our agents, I always say you really need, nowadays, your online presence really has to be a reflection of the virtual you. And it's important that whatever is online reflects who you are as a person. I always say to our agents, if they cannot recognize you in a coffee shop from your photo, it's time to do a new photo shoot and get a photo. I love my photo from 10 years ago, but I'm not sure anybody would be able to recognize me if I went into a coffee shop. So it's really important to have that information and make that connection. It's also very important as an agent that you have a consistent message across all your platforms. We tend to have profiles everywhere nowadays. We always suggest to our agents, pick a day in your slow season, maybe at the beginning of January, and make that update day. Get a new photo, update your stats. Just make sure that you're consistent because what happens is, Someone might be matched through our network and then they're Googling around or they're using a search engine because they want to make sure you're real. And you want to make sure that the information and the photos that you see across all channels. Yeah, you definitely want a consistency. Same. You don't want, you know, to see that ten you know, ten year old photo and then you don't know who you're dealing with and Exactly. Because so many people meet online now, whether it's dating, whether it's just doing research, whether it's it's doing a Google search. When I was going to be on this podcast, I was looking you up online. And you, did, look, did, did, you did, look exactly the same, so that's great. I, I'm very good about updating my picture. If I, if I showed you my picture from 10 years ago, like, you know, I, I keep a shaved head and I'm bald. 
Um, but yeah, I had hair 10 years ago, so it would be a much different picture. Exactly. You look keep, just have, like your, your picture. It was it great. It was great. Any other good, uh, any other good notes that you found, uh, on me from online or? One thing that's really important is to keep, probably the most important thing is to keep the customer in mind and making sure that however you communicate your vir virtual you that's going to be online is about the client. And we always recommend to our agents when we match them that they send out a proposal to the client and they make it as personalized and as customized to the client as they can. How have you helped people in that specific neighborhood that they're looking for? And I think that's the biggest challenge is always remembering to keep the client in mind. If this was my daughter, my son, my best friend, what would I want them to know about me? Right. In addition to the, you know, properly, you know, you being exact with your virtual presence um, and you know, being professional in your proposals, what are the you know, aspects or skills or the, the most successful traits you're seeing of, of the agents that are doing uh, the most amount of business on your network? What's really fun is seeing the creativity of the agents we have and how they use it. So we have an agent in Orlando look up iHeart Orlando real estate. And she is amazing at Instagram. She builds her referral business via Instagram. It works for her. She does an amazing job. Her name is Nicole Mickle. She's based in Orlando. And she has a tremendous Instagram presence. She does a great job with that. It's a great way for her to generate business. We have other agents. We have one agent in San Antonio who lets all her friends know that she can help find a real estate agent anywhere. So she now has friends of friends of friends who are contacting her for a referral. She's built her own mini, mini referral business. network, just helping the friends of friends of friends. We had an agent come through our network who we matched to her second cousin, which was great, and I'm thrilled that we matched to her second cousin. But if she had really been thinking about maximizing her referral business, maybe she would have gotten that second cousin on her own. Right, yeah. And I think the biggest challenge these days is that agents just don't take the time to do more referrals. They only think about a referral as someone who's moving. But there's really a tremendous opportunity. Maybe you have a referral that's an hour away. We have a lot of Staten Island agents that hate driving into Manhattan or going into Manhattan. And so they use our service because they don't want to go into Manhattan. They'd rather find an agent in Manhattan who can help those clients and they'll stay on the island. So it's really thinking about your business, thinking about your network and doing what's best for your clients at the end of the day. I think when you look at because real estate is very prevalent on television, everybody like looks, you know, they see shows like Million Dollar Listing and these fix and flip shows, and you know, people go into real estate, they get their license, they become an agent. But a lot of people within two to three years, they you know, they churn and burn the industry, they they never really create a presence and and move out. Um, do you think it's that they're not looking at avenues like the network, or do you think they're just not branding themselves right? Why do you think it's such a high turnover? Uh, Being an agent is hard work. And you have to be fearless. 
you have to be able to ask for the business. You have to be on 24-7. We have an agent in Pennsylvania who says, every day that I walk out the door, I carry five business cards with me. I will not let myself come home until I've handed out those business cards and I've made those connections. And that's a really hard, scary thing for people to do. It gets easier over time once you realize that the worst thing someone can say is no, but you're really always having to market yourself and brand yourself and put yourself out there. And I think that's very uncomfortable for a lot of people, but that's also what makes being a real estate agent so fabulous and fun too. So you really have to have that mindset. It's going to be hard work. I'm going to have to build my pipeline. I'm going to have to put myself out there and I need to find resources, whether it's training through my brokerage or it's joining a referral network like ours to mine my business. I think what's so important about joining a referral network nowadays is we make it a little bit easier. We have another agent who is based in uh, the East Bay in California, near where I live, near San Francisco. And she just will not work with family members. But she wants to be able to help those family members. And and I get it. You know, do you really want to be in the middle of your aunt's transaction? So she uses us to support and help her family members. She still has this connection, but they know that she will not help family members. But this is her way of being able to support and help them. It almost sounds like the professional ethics from uh, you know, doctors and lawyers that like usually exactly. try to not represent or, or treat their family. Um, and you know, one last question on the business front. Uh, where do you see referral exchange going over the next five to 10 years? I think it's just making it easier for agents to manage their business whether it's doing more referral business, whether it's giving them more tools to support and manage their lead flow. We are in such a crazy time of so many leads and so much information coming through the pipeline. The challenge is really finding the true business from all the noise. And we do a good job of helping them make the most out of the business that they're getting. So you talked about Zillow. You talked about lots of different lead sources. It's really time management and taking the business that makes sense for you. But you're spending good money on your lead generation. So try to monetize everything that you can from that lead. If you get a great buyer, ask them if they're selling their property somewhere else. If they are, put them into referral exchange and you can get a a commission on that. So I think for referral exchange, it's really finding more and different ways to help them manage that business and monetize and, and maximize what they can out of it. Understood. Uh, well, we've learned a lot about referral exchange and, and how agents can, you know, monetize those uh, all that hard work. Um, but we're going to get a little bit more personal and learn more about you, Lisa, 
in addition to your delicious Rocky Road recipe. Great. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Lisa, we learned a lot about your role at Referral Exchange, but uh, you know, in every episode, we like to learn a little bit more about you. And I was doing a little bit of research on uh, Google and found out that you're a part of an organization called Princess Project. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So the Princess Project is an organization, and I am the recent past president of the San Francisco Princess Project, and we give away prom dresses to Bay Area teens who can't afford them. So last year, we helped about 2,300 teens. Wow. And we do a massive prom dress and accessory giveaway in San Francisco every March. Nice. How did you first get involved with that? I was looking for a way to volunteer. My kids had all graduated high school, so I no longer had to be a room parent or a teen parent anymore. I didn't have to make slabs of Rocky Road for any teen parties anymore. And I wanted to do something else. So I learned about this program. And it's it's a great program because it really promotes inner beauty and and self-confidence the we've had amazing stories of teens who have never had a new dress before of real milestones in their lives and we're not changing the world but we're certainly helping people feel great about themselves and having a good time with it no it's a that's i mean it's a really heartwarming you know idea but it's also like a great way to because it's a it's a moment and and you could see in someone's you know high school life where you could feel the press of not having all of the means to to go out and spend on that. So that's a that's a really nice uh, you know thing to be involved with. It, it's pretty crazy. I mean, teens spend an average of over a thousand dollars on prom, which was a lot more than I spent on my prom. But that's that's crazy. the cost of doing business, and it's really become a milestone. In their lives. And I have to say, there's a lot of analogies between prom dresses and doing real estate because there are a lot of lessons learned when you're helping with those milestones and in people's lives. And I think one fun story that I have is we had a teen, a, a girl come in and she came in with her mother and she was disabled. And we got her this amazing purple dress, super sparkly. And there are about four of us helping her. And we were all having a really fabulous time. And I, I happened to look at her mother and her mother was crying. And I suddenly realized that her mother never expected 
to have this prom experience with their daughter. I've I have three daughters. I've gone dress shopping. The idea of of dress shopping for prom dresses is not exciting to me anymore with my three kids. But for her it was such a a milestone. And I think with many real estate agents it it can sometimes become transactional. And you have to remember that for someone who's buying their first house or selling their first house and buying that next house, it's a real milestone and has meaning in their, their life. So seeing this woman just made it very real and, and reminded me to kind of slow down and, and savor those moments and savor those successes, which I think as an agent, you get caught up in the transaction on a daily basis. And you currently live in San Francisco, which, you know, in, in today's world, when people talk about, you know, coastal elites, et cetera, but uh, you said earlier you were from the Midwest originally, uh, what part of the Midwest and what was it like, you know, living there versus San Francisco? So I grew up in Ames, Iowa and California. My father was a university professor. He was an astrophysics professor at Iowa State University. And then he worked at NASA Ames during the summer. So so legitimate rocket scientist. Yeah. Mad scientist. Yeah. And so we lived in Iowa during the winter and spring. And then every summer we would pack up the station wagon and drive to California to Saratoga and we would stay in Saratoga and we had a house that we rented every summer. The, the family who owned the house actually ran a summer camp and we rented that house for 15 years. My parents always regret the fact that they did not buy a house in, in California. You got 15 years of rent. You would have probably owned that house by now. Exactly. Exactly. But they just never thought about, we never exactly always knew that we would come back and then they had this great rental opportunity. And it was really funny. This is in the days before the internet. But after I graduated high school and my father suddenly realized that I was as old as the students he was teaching, he decided that it was time to, to move to California full time. So they did. And they sent a letter because they never met the person whose house they rented for all these years. So they sent a letter to the family saying we wouldn't be able to rent the house anymore because – they were moving to California. My mom sent it off. And then a day later, another letter came to them from the owners of the house saying, our family's splitting up. We're selling the house. We won't be able to rent it to you. So it was kind of so that's a, that's kismet a, a little yeah. bit. So now they're in California full time. And now I'm a true Californian because I went to Berkeley. So I left Iowa to, to go to California full time. Very nice. Yeah. And... So you went to Berkeley and ended up in the marketing advertising industry. Um, how was what made you go into marketing? I really wanted to be in radio. I wanted to be a journalist, but when I was in my twenties, my voice was much higher, and I sounded like I was twelve. And I realized that if I really wanted to get a job in radio before I was a senior citizen, I really needed to come up with another 
option. And I've always loved marketing and, and advertising and helping to foster those connections and, and relationships. So that's how I ended up there. Started out in an advertising agency and then went client side after that. It seems like a natural transition uh, you know, to go from the agency side to, to the company side. Um, how is that transition? Is it this a, a good learning experience um, being on the agency side or is it just like that's the way to break in? The agency side, when I was in it, it, is fun and different and exciting. But it's not the whole picture. What I love about being in marketing is I get to do more than just advertising. And when you work in an advertising agency, you're like a real estate agent. You're at the beck and call of your clients. So for me, it was kind of fun to go client side and be the client that this time around. And I got to do more than just the advertising. I get to do all the field marketing, the sales support, things like that, which I love doing too. I love working with our clients and our agents and things like that. Got it. Um, we like to give all of our guests the opportunity to leave us uh, with a final thought. It could be about the company, the industry, or just Something fun that's on your mind, uh, what would you like to, to share today? Don't hesitate to ask. Every connection, conversation can be a referral opportunity. And in this day and age, you have to always be asking for the business. I always make it a rule whenever I get on a plane. I have to talk to my seatmate for at least 10 minutes or five minutes if they don't want to talk to me because it's amazing the connections that you can make. So especially as a real estate agent, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to have that conversation and build a relationship. And for folks that want to have a conversation with you or with, uh, with the brand, how can people reach out uh, to you and referral exchange? They can find us at referralexchange.com. And if they mention your podcast, they'll get a special discount. Excellent. Well, uh, if uh, anybody's looking for uh, referrals or make referrals, um, we're, uh, we're happy to make those connections for you. So Great. Thanks for uh, having this me. Been, this has been a, a great conversation, uh, and thank you again for the Rocky Road. Um, and thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Um, I'm Tom, and real estate is your business. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.